In The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis imagines hell as a boring English town populated by souls unaware of their own damnation, who, in their attempts to find autonomy and freedom, move further away from each other, pushing individualism all the way to utter isolation, disappearing into Narcissus' pool of self-obsession. Welcome to B-Sides, where you can get further reflections on God's Word to help you grow. This episode follows the idol of self from Isaiah chapters 45 through 48. And I was initially not going to do an episode this week. I just didn't have much uh, content, kind of running short on time. So it's late Friday afternoon, and I suddenly, I, I, I came across this quote this morning um, in a book called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers, and it distills the seven beliefs of our current culture. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is so good, especially to follow up after Sunday's message. I've got to somehow squeeze this in. So here's going to be a very rough, very short episode in which I do that. But first, um, you just heard at the opening um, a summary of something that happens in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. And there in this picture, this it's a fictitious story, but it shows some truths about human nature right now on Earth. And there it shows that in in this in this um, picture of hell, people there are so into themselves that they're actually driving themselves away from each other so they can do whatever they want. Because the presence of another threatens my autonomy, Right. So their individualism is actually pushing them away toward loneliness. Now, in the message, I did mention uh, a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I very, very shortly paraphrased. I want to read it in its full here. It comes from the final chapter of Mere Christianity. And what's amazing is that it sounds so relevant to our culture now. And yet Lewis wrote this during World War II. So I'm going to read that, and then I will share the seven beliefs of our culture. The more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let him, God, take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. The very first step is to try to forget about the self altogether. Your real new self, which is Christ and also yours and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, for every day matters. Even in social life, you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you are making. Even in literature and art. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, without carrying two pence how often it has been told before, you will, nine times out of ten, become original without ever having noticed it. The principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death. Death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. We'll read that part again. Submit with every 
fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find Him, and with Him, everything else thrown in. Oh, that's so good. Just talking about how we find our real fulfilled person when we are trying to find Christ. And I love how he puts the emphasis not on trying to find your identity, because there's a real emphasis today, isn't there, on discovering who I am. And that's really become the salvation of our culture, is it's not something that God gives us. God doesn't save us anymore. It's we who need to save ourselves. We need to discover not a God. We need to discover a self. But Lewis there says, you know, these are not mutually exclusive. The self is discovered in God, and the self is discovered when we receive salvation from God. That's part of what salvation is, is we recognize that we are His. We have an identity, but it's not an identity that differentiates us as separate from God's plan. It's wrapped up and part of His plan. I really appreciate, too, the part where He said, and I read it twice for you, submit with every fiber of your being. That right there will break the spell of individualism, submission, service. See, individualism wants the world to serve it. But as soon as we start to serve something else, you have to recognize that you're part of that. You're giving part of yourself to that. You're attached to it in some way. You're now moving into something larger than yourself. And if any of you have read ahead in Isaiah, you will have noticed something that I noticed this week is that chapter 49, the very next chapter, remember how chapter 48, the closing application, Isaiah was calling us out of Babylon, calling us out of this idealistic thinking of, um, this, this thinking system of me, I am the only one, there is no other. He says, flee from Babylon, go out from Babylon. Well, that was chapter 48. And chapter 49, guess what we read about? The servant. A figure that Isaiah will talk about quite a bit in these chapters of Isaiah, the second movement in Isaiah. And we are actually going to touch on that on Sunday. So I don't want to spoil anything yet. But for now, look for ways that you can serve your community, your neighbor, your spouse, your children, your God. And you will find the grasp of individualism beginning to let go. Okay, and finally, as promised, reading from these seven belief systems of our current culture in a book called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers. And if you like to read, uh, I'm just finding this incredibly interesting. So if you pick up this book, you might hear it from me every now and then. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But right now, I'm just... I'm finding this so insightful. So here's what he says. There's a new power swirling around in our culture, and it holds a widely held set of beliefs. And these beliefs are so widely held that you'll find people completely different faiths even adopting these same seven beliefs. That's how widely held they are. So 
Here they are. Number one, the highest good is individual freedom, happiness, self-definition, and self-expression. That seems very true. Number two, traditions, religions, received wisdom, regulations, and social ties that restrict individual freedom, happiness, self-definition, and self-expression must be reshaped, deconstructed, or destroyed. We see that happening in the church and many other places. The family, the family institution as well. Number three, the world will inevitably improve as the scope of individual freedom grows. Technology, in particular the internet, will motor this progression toward utopia. The world will inevitably inevitably improve as the scope of individual freedom grows? Well, contrary, in the Bible, in Genesis 3, this whole idea of individual freedom, of autonomy that the serpent offered Adam and Eve, did not improve the world. It it massively corrupted it. We cannot just assume that society, if we just let it keep going, is going to somehow get better. That's An older version of this would have been called social evolution. And we don't believe that evil is somehow going to morph itself into good. It has to make a decisive turn, right? You can't be doing a math sum, and I'm borrowing from C.S. Lewis here, you can't be doing a math sum wrong and hope that if you just keep doing it, it'll turn out right. He says you have to stop where you made the error, go back and correct it, and only then will you make true progress. But society thinks the world will inevitably improve. Number four, The primary social ethic is tolerance of everyone's self-defined quest for individual freedom and self-expression. Any deviation from this ethic of tolerance is dangerous and must not be tolerated. (laughs) You hear the irony there, right? Any deviation from this ethic of tolerance is dangerous and must not be tolerated. Therefore, social justice is less about economic and class inequality and more about issues of equality relating to individual identity, self-expression, and personal autonomy. Number five, humans are inherently good. The Bible teaches us about the fall. Number six, large-scale structures and institutions are suspicious at best and evil at worst. That one is not entirely incorrect, of course. There are evil institutions and large-scale structures, and often spiritual warfare or the forces and the powers are lurking behind those. But people often assume any institution is evil. That's what that's saying. So we question things like the church. Um, Yeah, not every church, little church, has been great. The whole church as a whole hasn't always been great. But we cannot simply assume that it is evil at worst. Number seven, forms of external authority are rejected and personal authenticity, authenticity is lauded. Right? We want everyone to be authentic to themselves, regardless of what the laws or rules or traditions teach or say. That's what we laud. That's what we praise. That's what we applaud. Those are the seven beliefs swirling around in our culture. 
And unfortunately, we do see some of this creeping into even Christianity itself. And so here's what's happening. Christianity is not being out-argued by the God deniers. I mean, that's always happened and it's still happening, but we've survived for 2,000 years. It's being undermined or it's being tamed by these beliefs that really undermine, that really subdue some of our core doctrines and teachings. And so... We must remember that the gospel is calling us into God's reality. It's an alternate reality from that of the world, which means that there will be differences. And that's okay. Some of the world's beliefs sound similar and they sound good. But as C.S. Lewis says, um, the best lies are mostly true. So we have to simply be, pay more attention when people say you need, you need to be happy or discover yourself. Okay. The Bible would agree, but it also would say you get that, you get that in a different direction than the world's inviting. You don't get there by putting yourself at the center, putting yourself first, or putting the focus on that discovery. You get there by putting your focus, your worship, your faith, your adoration, your devotion, your obedience, your loyalty, your service, your service to Christ. That's how you get there. But see, the world wants the easy cut. And God gives us something a little more challenging because he wants to see us grow. Well, that's this rough, (laughs) short edition of B-Sides. I'm looking forward to Sunday. I hope you are too. So go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 49. This is Pastor Brandon with Grace and Gratitude. Thanks for listening.